Hello, everyone. We are back again. It's running a couple minutes behind schedule, but that's fine. There's a break coming up at 2, so if things get pushed back, we can just make up time there. Um, so, uh, coming to you today uh, with Chitra Subramanium. How'd I do there? Uh, <laughs> that was perfect. Okay. Oh, hey. <laughs> um, from Duke, and she's talking about transformational CE. Thinking out of the box to lead change. And from there, I will let you take it away. All right. Thanks, Derek. Uh, so hi, everyone. Uh, so uh, thanks for, for joining this session. And I'm excited to uh, be here. Uh, basically, for the next half hour, just going to share with you uh, some of the things that we have done at Duke. Um, understanding the fact that uh, CME is not what it used to be and um, there have been a lot of changes and, and we needed to transform and reinvent ourselves. Uh, so some of the ideas that and concepts that we followed and um, I do have a couple of examples of projects that we've been doing in order to address some of the needs that uh, we have currently. Uh, so just as uh, introduction, uh, Duke, uh, we have um, three hospitals here uh, within the network and um, several our office of several of the Duke departments within the health system um, and then we also have the School of Medicine um, that we partner with and um, uh, play a role in not only providing uh, CME but uh, but CE per se because we have joint accreditation and we do a lot of other things uh, in terms of certification and accrediting activities so um, so that that's in a natural introduction of Duke. It is uh, uh, we have about uh, the thirty thousand or so healthcare professionals that we serve. So, um, so that actually uh, was helpful as well as a challenge in several ways um, as we were thinking about what should we do differently. So, Derek, if you can move to the next slide. Um, Okay, so uh, so when we looked at the landscape, and probably all of you um, are thinking the same way as uh, as we are, I'm sure. Um, we we felt that there were a lot of things that were impacting um, CME, and um, if you it, it was like peeling an onion, right? Layer after layer, there were so many different things that we needed to do. So our goal was um, to really see, okay, where can we be creative? Where are the opportunities to for change? Uh, where are the opportunities where we had to improve and bring in efficiencies? And uh, what are the kinds of things we needed to do in order to sort of establish ourselves not only within the health system but also in the community. Um, so really the core of our uh, work and most of most of all of us in our in the community is really uh, to provide patient-centered, um, to be patient-centered and have patient safety as our core. Um, but the million-dollar question is what is the value of CME and, and what does that offer in this environment? Um, then the next level, if you look at it, there was the core knowledge that we always deliver. Um, then there's new scientific information. And the key part of this was, are we really allowing for this to be applied in practice? Uh, what is the impact of this and what is the success? What does success really mean? Um, then as an institution that has several physicians and healthcare providers, maintenance of certification and licensure was also an important thing for us to consider. And overall, the goal was to say um, that we are contributing to quality improvement and uh, and helping all of our learners become lifelong learners and 
and contribute to the continuum of learning. Uh, but if you look outside the, the little concentric circles, uh, where we thought we had significant opportunity uh, was in these four areas. We thought, well, traditional CME does not work anymore. Uh, it has its role, but it has a certain role, and, um, and there are other opportunities that we could um, we could build upon. Um, then we wanted to definitely move more towards patient and population outcomes that we are now doing in several of our projects. Uh, the other key thing in order to in order to accomplish significant outcomes, our goal was to say, okay, can we integrate um, into research and healthcare delivery? Um, since we are a health system, is that possible? And then also to address individual and system needs and, and really look into continuum of care, coordination of care, and all those uh, transitions of care, standard care models, all those different things that we talk about now in um, in CME. So here were all our opportunities in a nutshell that, um, that we sort of looked at uh, when we first started. So next slide, Derek. Uh, then the other aspect of this, so if, if that diagram was what CME was supposed to do and we were looking at the health system and um, the environment, there were lots of things that were contributing to the physician themselves or the healthcare provider. So we looked at that landscape and, and identified areas in which we could uh, possibly have an impact. So if you look at the different influencing factors um, that affect the behavior of a physician, not only in learning but also in practice. There are a lot of different things that, um, that happen. And there are several competencies that are now required by providers um, you know, to train them in those competencies because of the changes that are happening in healthcare. So if you look at some of um, what's outlined here, uh, we felt that the most significant ones were the understanding the business of medicine in an ACO model, in the new transformation in healthcare. How do, how do I survive? What do I need to do? and how do I understand the business and what's going on there. Health IT um, is an important competency today, so, uh, so how do they deal with that in terms of using the EHRs and managing their patient information. Um, and then working together as a team, so coordination of care and healthcare teams, um, team building, team communication, um, accepting roles and responsibilities and accountability, all of those were new competencies that we had to teach. Um, and then also to sort of um, push faculty and, and providers into more of the research in terms of disparities and, um, and helping them understand the variations that happen among patients and what's the most optimal care to deliver in terms of the health services research, implementation research, the, all those competencies that uh, we needed to think about. So just considering two different aspects, which is the health system aspect and then the individual learner gave us, um, gave us a lot of information on where are the gaps. Uh, where could CME play a role and, and what could we do differently? Um, next slide, Derek. Um, so, so here is the uh, challenge. So this is something we presented at the um, um, annual conference as well. So most of the time when we, uh, traditionally in CME, we've been responsible for creation of content. And we say, yes, we're going to do a live event or we're going to have an enduring material and, and, and we're going to do this and that's where our job ends. But really it doesn't. It really uh, flows into all the other three areas, which is how is the knowledge that you deliver utilized? Is 
is it retained and then is it actually transferred into practice so when we looked at the three other areas besides just the creation of knowledge there's so many influencing factors that contribute to whether that knowledge is used or not and all of those factors are worth looking into and gave us an opportunity to uh, to think about research and think about areas where we could expand in, in terms of this whole transformation. And as I'm talking, I just want you to keep in mind that every one of these areas today are significant in CME because they all have a role to play in in bringing about quality improvement, physician behavior change, get, getting your patients to be more well informed and actually implementing um, a behavior change and a culture change uh, within systems in order to bring about quality improvement. So uh, here's another sort of way of looking at it. Um, then when you look at translation to practice, really the, um, the idea behind this is, and this is a great slide, uh, just to think about the learner again and thinking about what really influences the learner and, and where are the pain points, where are some of the opportunities uh, for us to help them along the way. And um, this is from Nurse Education and Practice, it's the journal, but it clearly outlines for you within the learner so if you take the learner uh, for instance it's their own ability to learn and their own ability to identify decode and validate what they're learning and implement it in practice that's a that's something that they need to do but their learning environment contributes significantly to how they're going to learn and then all of the all the the factors that you see in the in the arrows or the circle around it every one of them influences the way they learn Right, so there is the technology piece, the employer, the profession itself, the the economy. Um, now the healthcare reform, the 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 uh, pressures from their peers, the society, all of the legislation, everything influences what they do. And then you have their clinical establishments they work in, and then the amount of education and training that they've had. So this sort of clearly uh, outlines the continuum of learning um, that we all talk about, and um, and also several factors like like we've seen in the other slides that contribute to why somebody would change their behavior and why would they do um, adopt a certain best practice or, or why would they even evaluate what they're doing. So, that, so there are a lot of opportunities if you think of these things as to, as to why physicians behave certain ways and why systems um, are, are the way they are. So uh, we had to sort of think through some of these aspects and, and it was a good exercise for us because until now we, we, we never thought differently or we probably knew about these things but never took them seriously. We were doing what we were doing. Um, so the other aspect being within a health system and, and associated with school of medicine and, and having the opportunity to work with UME and GME, uh, we are now trying to integrate more with, with those aspects. But even without them, if you're in a medical uh, society or you're, you're in a different environment, I think if you leave out the, the green box in the center, um, the, the two sides of it are pretty significantly important for you to think about. So one is the system needs. So you know, what is the adoption of evidence-based medicine, the guidelines and all of those things, but, uh, but if somebody is calculating mm, is tracking performance metrics, you know, the business practices, what are the deliverable mo delivery models, and, and then the amount of research that's going on there. All of those are significant for a system. 
And then if you take a look at the uh, healthcare delivery piece, so there's a lot of opportunity there as well for research, learning, and improvement. So, um, you know, like we talked about the team-based education, coordination of care, disparities in healthcare, um, health IT, uh, and then, you know, the diseases are now not episodic. They've become lifelong management uh, issues. Um, so how do you do wellness, self-management, preventive medicine, and um, just a whole variety of things that have that have become more important than what they used to be. So, if you really look at a health system, um, you're talking about more of a learning healthcare. Um, organization, so which is what we're now calling ourselves. We're a learning healthcare system where we're constantly evaluating ourselves, we're learning about ourselves, and making a change. So, once we identified these things, the biggest uh, challenge for us was on what's on this slide. Um, so we had a lot of concerns to deal with. Um, it was a culture change. Um, it was a paradigm shift. Um, and of course, there were a lot of process changes we needed to make in order to accomplish what we're doing. Um, we needed to integrate well with the rest of the organization. We knew that. So that we had to have internal messaging as well as external marketing, build awareness, and, and um, being open to collaboration. That was huge for us. Us. Um, we already there was we saw a decrease in funding as many of you might have seen. Uh, we also lost funding from the School of Medicine. So I am now uh, my group is a, a independent entity making money and surviving on its own. Um, so that really made us think differently, of course, uh, because we had to survive. Um, if you look at staff competencies, that's a big issue. I'm sure many of you face it. Uh, resource allocation. Well, if I want to do new things. How do I manage my existing projects? What am I going to do? Um, QI projects that we wanted to do were all of large scale. So how do we accomplish this? What are we going to do? Which is where collaboration and partnerships came into play. Um, and then we felt that there was a lot of research um, questions that were out there that we needed to address. Uh, we also had to think about outcomes now because we were thinking about higher levels of outcomes and how do we approach all of this. So we took a lot of different steps to accomplish some of, uh, some of these. Um, um, you know, my role here um, now is more to build awareness within the health system as well as outside the uh, community, outside in the community, uh, helping integrate with the rest of the organization. So that's become more of my role. Uh, we are uh, providing as much training as possible for our staff, but we still have significant gaps and we're trying to address them, but that's a huge challenge that continues to be a huge challenge for us. Um, and for research and outcomes, we have definitely partnered. We have partnered externally as well as partnered within different departments within Duke. Um, so we can, uh, we are we are splitting revenues. We're trying to do as much as we can to partner because we know we can't accomplish these by ourselves. But but this slide has got several sleepless nights, and it's still a big issue for us that, that we're trying to deal with. So Derek, if Okay, so um, so here's a so when we when we looked at all these opportunities, yes, we had challenges. But then, if you really talk about how do you um, in what buckets do these things fit, and and really for uh, for us within the health system or within. Um, you know, um, within our group and within uh, how we fit within the community, um, how how does this all play out? So, 
if you really look at a learning healthcare organization and and look at all the different factors that contribute to it, um, it's the they fall into three different buckets where you you inform yourself, you get information uh, from the research, from the knowledge, from current practices, from trends that are going on, um, and then you want to evaluate them and then you implement something and assess. So if you look at it, these fall into the PDSA cycle or or uh, whatever that the you know. Um, the cycle for quality improvement and continuous quality improvement might be, but look at the if you look at the three buckets, they fall into research, education, and quality care, which actually fit very well with the mission of Duke. Um, so it was great that our um, sort of vision and mission was was uh, fitting in and aligned well with the with our parent organization. Um, so if you look at the intersecting areas, now the core of all of this is patient care, but um, research and quality care, so implementation of care along with research helps you provide evidence and, and validate what you're doing. Um, research and education helps with reinforcement, dissemination, and to evaluate current practices and, and talk about it and discuss it and again disseminate it. And then education and quality care helps with implementation of solutions and affecting change. So, um, so this is our sort of mantra that we now use and we, when we talk about ourselves as a group that's within a learning healthcare organization and is trying to create change, um, here are the different aspects and the different paradigms that, that sort of intersect in several different ways to, to cost this. So this is our um, sort of message both internally and externally as to where we fit and, and what we can really do. So, um, so out from um, coming out of our um, our whole uh, sort of journey into who we are and why which should we think differently um, came out these opportunities of research and and um, if you now notice most of the CME activities that we do in QI there is a certain amount of research there's a certain amount of community involved there's a certain amount of patients involved uh, there's patient reported outcomes they're identifying trends and practices there there's the public health research questions um, there's so many questions that that come up and we wanted to see which areas of research that that we could prioritize and really help with and um, so these are some aspects of research that that we have put together but look at the core in terms of the concentric circles that you see um, there are different levels of these researchers that you could do so there's the patient the provider the healthcare team the system itself um, and then the extended family and community but if you take each of these aspects which now actually contribute to the behavior of the provider the contribute to the challenges within the system and they inform they're in that inform bucket um, of the previous slide that you saw. So there's several opportunities for us to think about research. Now research doesn't have to be large-scale research. It could be just asking a group of people certain questions and gathering information. So we don't do, um, unless we partner with other research groups, we don't do high-end research, but, uh, but we have an idea of the different dimensions and the different factors contributing to it. And, and every time we get an opportunity, we try to include um, some of these aspects. Uh, we do a lot of work now with patient-reported outcomes, trying to uh, involve patients as well as their camp caregivers um, in several of the projects that we're doing, which has turned out to be really valuable. Hi, Chitra. I'm going to chime in with a quick question for you, if that's all right. Sure. Um, someone was asking, what does it mean to be a learning healthcare organization? How are you defining that? Um, 
it, we are learning in the sense we're continuously trying to evaluate who we are, what we're doing, and improve. So we're learning every step of the way. So we're a learning organization that way. Uh, well, we are a learning organization also in the fact that we disseminate, create, we create, package, and disseminate knowledge. We do the learning piece. But in this case, we are an organization that evaluates ourselves and continues to um, learn and grow. OK, great. Thanks. Um, so uh, I think, Derek, there was a previous slide. So yeah, um, so I just wanted to point out um, uh, there is a significant opportunity for us to think about um, the patients as well. And um, we now do a lot of work in related to using technology to address patients and help with self-management, keeping up their goals, medication adherence. Um, there is a lot of uh, important areas that, that patients struggle with. And, and collecting all of those outcomes, uh, those data has significantly helped our providers as well um, in improving communication and relationships with patients. So this is an important piece. Um, if you haven't um, looked into this area, there's lots of opportunity. And I'm sure many of you are already doing this, but there's tons of opportunity here. So um, so then, um, so, so that was our uh, sort of uh, evaluation of where we are, what we needed to do. And then we drill down to, OK, now I have a learner. I have a, a, you know, a provider who is going through all of these different things. And we have different competencies that we need to address for these learners. Now, how do I drill down into what needs to be taught, how it needs to be taught, and uh, where we can go from here? So if you look at um, self-directed learning, um, you know, where we are trying to help people become better learners, become more cognizant of their own skill sets as learners. And if you look at learning science, um, there is a lot of change now in terms of how we teach and what we do. So, so the role of the faculty is more to be a coach and a curator, so more a mentor, providing more feedback, reinforcement, one-on-one -on -one communication, you know, being there, helping them out when they need to, creating communities of practice where people can, can manage their own learning and, and they have control of their own learning. But we as CME offices and CE folks provide the necessary tools and resources for them to move forward, understand what they have to do, give them feedback and reinforcement so that they are going to achieve what they need to do. So, um, so we had to we had to think about that because now we do a, a do a few faculty development programs where we're helping faculty understand, um, you know, that the learner should be an active active participant in the discussions and they should be able to contribute with their learning. Um, so here in this slide, it's it's more um, a new way of looking at a learner, helping them understand who they are, how they think, um, how to construct information and, and create the knowledge. Not only be able to identify the knowledge and be conscious about it, but also to make the right connections to validate that knowledge by applying it in practice and then making it, um, putting it in their long-term memory and retaining it over time. So it's a uh, so it's a different way of teaching. It's a different way of communicating with them and being more engaging and interactive. So so we had to define our learners as well for our faculty because the objective and the goals were different. Jarek, if you could change the slide. Um, so. So here are some aspects of teaching and learning I thought might be useful as you're thinking creatively and trying to figure out all of this. So uh, if you look at the 
diagram, this is more a progression of, of, of a learner from when they start maybe after them, you know, while they're in medical school and moving all the way to a expert practitioner um, as a healthcare provider. So if you notice, we start off with certain benchmarks, you know, in residency training, I need to have these six competencies and, and here is all the stuff that I have to do for those competencies and that's how I'm, um, I'm judged or I am I'm assessed. But then as you move along, um, your your approach to learning changes and the way you assimilate information changes and the, and the factors that affect the way you you assimilate information change as well because you're growing and, and you have life experiences, you have beliefs, you have practice patterns that influence you and you have your own cultural beliefs and systems that, that contribute to that. So if you notice in the last but one step, um, you develop competence further through habits of mind, behavior, and wisdom. So, so your own experiences in life become much more important than um, than what's what's being provided. Um, I shouldn't say more important, but but they're as important as what's being provided by us. So allowing people to discuss more role plays, you know, being more. Um, problem-based situations, allowing for interactions to happen and, and uh, these are all important things as you as you go along the spectrum and feedback and positive reinforcement along the way is critically important. So, so you might start off teaching something but then you mostly become a coach and a facilitator um, as people move along the spectrum and have to learn. So there's a different approach um, that needs to happen when you design your activities and put them together and help them create their own knowledge that allows them to make the change. Um, so we do use this still, which is the Miller's Prism of Clinical Competence. If you haven't seen this, this is uh, used for a long time now in medical education. Um, so you where we, we talk about affecting cognition and behavior. So some of the examples of teaching methods for cognition which is uh, interpretation and application and just information gathering which is low level uh, learning and then you have the behavior which is the higher levels of demonstrating learning and performance integrated in practice which is what we're interested in. Now notice the uh, in the previous slide we had the graph that we had the error that went from you know the initial benchmarks to the higher level learning, which is where a, a novice starts and then you go on to be an expert. So the two um, graphs and possibly the next one, they all go together in designing education. So. Um, so this is a model we use now uh, here. It's pretty uh, common if you haven't um, seen it. It's called the PRISM model. Uh, where we're uh, providing a focused education. It's practice-based. When I say product, it's not a pharmaceutical product. It's a product of or a service or, or uh, anything that's practice-based relevant to the learner. Um, and then we focus on interprofessional education. Uh, most education is uh, really in small chunks. Uh, we have several, uh, it's, it's available to multi-sites and then of course in QI several sites are participating. So we always allow for symbiotic engagement of, uh, so that there is interaction, there's learning from each other and uh, we also have a community of practice that we've built so that people can participate in whatever activities that we do. So uh, just a model for designing education. And Chitra, I'm giving you a five-minute warning right now. Okay. okay. Uh, 
All right, so uh, running through this quickly, this is pretty important. Many of you are probably aware of blooms, um, but uh, think of thinking about blooms a little differently, uh, this is a hierarchy of learning. So, so as you design your education, starting from the lower end of a novice to an expert, uh, creating um, the opportunities for behavior changes and thinking more, more critically and analytically, um, these are important. So the way people process information uh, from keeping it from just identifying locations and, and identifying single data points um, to making relationships and creating um, making decisions and moving forward with it so so if you take a look at this slide if you have access to the slides and take a look at this read through them they're very similar to blooms but in a different approach um, it's more uh, with the learning process itself and how people process information um, here are some examples I uh, wanted to share with you uh, some of the stuff that's going on here at Duke. Um, we do a lot of interprofessional, uh, multidisciplinary, team-based education stuff. Uh, <coughs> so here's an example. We have a Women of Color and HIV program. Uh, we have several different groups. The most powerful aspect of this is we have patients who come in, um, and at the end of the day, we have a patient panel where they discuss their whole experience starting from when they were diagnosed to the treatment method and it's the most powerful session um, in the whole day and people uh, actually participate and, uh, and the patients wholeheartedly want to be a part of it which is a great thing. Um, then um, yeah, we have a simulation patient safety center, so we're doing simulation programs. Uh, it's a team-based simulation that deals with transitions of care, um, moving from emergency room to um, transition into regular treatment. Uh, we also uh, have programs in VTE. We have a couple of programs now, um, and this was actually done with MedIQ, but I use it as an example because the interesting thing is um, it, crew resource management concepts from the aviation industry were used, and we actually had pilots come in and share stories, which was pretty incredible. Um, if you want to... Yeah, so, so really today, what should education facilitate? Um, teamwork, um, help identify roles and responsibilities and promote accountability, communication, um, learning and critical reflection for each of us, um, relationships with recognizing the needs of the patients, ethical issues, um, shared decision making is pretty critical, and collaborative learning is, is uh, core to some of the things we need to do. Um, so when you design your CE activities, um, you know, you want to have your outcomes clearly defined. They're higher level outcomes. If it's team-based interprofessional education, every team member has a specific goal they come with. Uh, you want to think outside the box because traditional CME does not work. How do I teach? How do I chunk up content? How do I promote interaction? How do I help people learn from each other? So. Um, and then when you have team-based interprofessional education, have your WIFM statement. If you haven't heard of the term WIFM, it is, what's in it for me? Um, nobody's going to participate and nobody's going to um, really react or respond to what you have unless you tell them what's the value proposition for me as an individual. Uh, focus on the patient, think of all the professions, and think of non-educational strategies that can help you get to where you need to get to. Um, then things that we have figured out doing IPE, you cannot do it alone. 
Um, you definitely want to have a common vision across the team. Uh, everybody think outside the box, and then of course have your VIFM statements ready because every member of the team wants to know what they're doing. Um, we do have an online community of practice. Uh, if you want to feel free to check it out and join, I'd be happy. Um, I facilitate discussions there. It goes anywhere from uh, I don't know, faculty development to ACCME needs to pretty much all the areas that we all uh, sort of struggle with. So invite you to participate and join in the community when you get a chance. Please do become a member and, and um, we can talk more about this. Thanks. Excellent. Thanks so much. Um, had one follow-up question. Someone just wanted to know if, if you are open to people contacting you with some follow-up questions. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I don't know if you can project my email um, or share email. Uh, but you know what? I can put it, I'll put it on the website with your, uh, with your information and with your presentation. Yeah, so absolutely. Please feel free to um, contact me with questions. I'd be happy to help. Excellent. Thanks so much. Um, All right, thanks, Derek. Sure. Coming up next, uh, we are going to start as soon as possible. Um, Bonnie McLean, before you get your ducks in a row, you need to figure out what to do with the duck. Um, so give me about two or three minutes, and we'll be off. So we're looking at probably about a 2 o'clock start. So we'll just go right through the break um, and on to the next session then. Thanks a lot.